Hi family, hi friends, hi food lovers. Hey neighbors, hey community, hey comics, people who like to cook, connect, and kvetch. Thanks so much for joining me for Hot Dish. Hello and welcome to Hot Dish. My name is Lauren Huberman and I am your host. And the special guest today is Kelsey Huff. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. Kelsey is a fantastic comedian and storyteller, and she is the founder of The Kates, which is an all-female identifying comedy showcase. It is fabulous. It's so much fun, and I can't wait for it to resume. And Kelsey is also an amazing teacher and mentor to, at this point, I would say literally hundreds of people in Chicago, myself included. So Kelsey, I'm thrilled to have you. I know that's, it just seems so much pressure. I, I thought we were just going to be eating. <laughs> <laughs> that will happen later. That okay, will cool. happen okay. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's topic is bombing in stand-up comedy. Probably a topic that a teacher and mentor wants to stay away from, but we got to address no, it, right? It. <laughs> <laughs> it's the reality. And, yeah, exactly. It's, it's real. It's what happened. Um, and we're going to make a Dutch baby pancake. Yes. Okay. So can I ask some questions now? Is this the part where we can interact? <laughs> yes, we can interact. <laughs> we can so interact and, and I'm going to naturally transition over here in a minute, but, okay. but ask, ask away. Yeah, so as you're cooking, so I've never heard of a Dutch baby pancake before. So what, one, why is there a baby in it? <laughs> and what makes it different than any other pancake? Kelsey, Tell these me. are such good questions. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I don't know why it's, it's Dutch, okay? I should have done more research. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was excited when I saw it because... Um, it's supposed to puff up and then of course when you stab your fork into it it's going to deflate and i thought well what a metaphor for bombing it's the highs and the lows that you could experience in a show or if it doesn't puff up at all it's flat as a pancake which is how you feel when you bomb anyway yeah so it's really a, so this is all about the ego i see all right so you you're you're inflating you're getting there you're thinking you're an ama you're amazing and then you just eat it. Okay, and you're it. like, <laughs> yeah, and, and, you're, and you're terrible, yeah. which is basically what happens when you bomb. Right. I feel like I need to create a pancake called denial, which is like, I know I'm bombing. And I'm like, no, I'm doing great. <laughs> that's I need a denial pancake. No, that's an amazing defense mechanism, Kelsey. Thank you so much. Yeah. You can thank my alcoholic father for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh this is so challenging to talk to you and cook it's like on all the cooking shows they're like and i'm just going to crack an egg here and everything yeah. is neat and beautiful but but for the viewers at home i am cracking eggs and i'm putting them into a cuisinart um i'm putting three eggs into the cuisinart for the for the pancake that is step number one and nice. <laughs> I Are these also, organic eggs? Did you pluck actually, them from a chicken? 
sorry to say, but they are. If you can see. <laughs> Why sorry? <laughs> sorry to say that I am being a healthy person. <laughs> sorry to say that I support local farming and I got these delivered yesterday. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so step one, eggs. Oh, yes. look, at, I love, uh, you know, I must say, uh, if you can't see, but if you can, I must just tell everybody, you're very organized in preparation for this. You've got all of your, all of your ingredients sort of measured and out. Thank you. I took this Tupperware out of my cabinet this morning and poured it in so it would look like, wow, I've just got this down, you know? <laughs> the lid fits. It's what? all there. Yeah. I find that often when I find the Tupperware that I have stored somewhere, there happens to be um, like like corpses of dead bugs. You got to do a little dust off first. That, yeah, that's a common thing, Kelsey. Um, I forgot what they're called, but they get into flour and they get into rice and they have a little husk that they leave behind and you just kind of brush those off yeah. and keep moving. <laughs> yeah. That's the denial part. All right, as long as you've got some denial in here. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I put in the flour, I put in the eggs. I am measuring a tablespoon of sugar right now. I'm also just putting it in the Cuisinart. And so the puffing ingredients, I'm not a uh, full disclosure, Lauren, I'm not uh, the greatest of cooks. So is this like a baking soda? Is that the secret ingredients to the puffing? No, I'm not sure what it is. I think <laughs> that it's... <laughs> I think the research you did here is astounding. <laughs> What do you think I am, like a food scientist? Um, okay. <laughs> Ken G, I love Ken G. You should go, he, he's great. I do oh love food God. science. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, next show, yeah. next show. Well, next right show. now, it says a pinch of nutmeg, which I'm estimating to be less than a quarter of a teaspoon. So I'm putting it in, in as well. You know what? I did forget one ingredient and I forgot the milk. <laughs> I feel that that is a very important yeah. ingredient. Here. Yeah, you need so, a liquid in this uh, sort of powdery egg concoction you've got going. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to step away and get my milk. Yeah, don't okay. worry about it. Cause I will, sometimes I actually watch a lot of like um, masterclass stuff, mostly about writing, but sometimes there's, uh, there's some food in there as well, like Thomas Keller's in there. And anytime anybody says pinch of salt, it's like just a fistful. Like chef's really? pinch of salt, they don't they don't mess around. They're yeah. liberal. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes food better, to be honest. Yeah. Fat I and mean, salt. Yeah, exactly. You just gotta go for it. Can you put some lard in these pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am using whole milk. Oh. It's also organic, sorry to <laughs> say. <laughs> Apologizing. <laughs> um <laughs> And be your t-shirt for this <laughs> podcast. It's organic. My, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my t-shirt is to support um, a local organization. Sorry to say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just like women to apologize, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but this is an awesome organization, by the way. And they do lots of cool things with teens and um, seniors. And they have like teen ambassadors who give tours of Inglewood. Yeah, my um, block, my hood, my city. Yeah, it's awesome. 
So, okay, I'm going to hope that this Cuisinart works. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ever used it. <laughs> this is, oh, so this is the, uh, the premiere of the Cuisinart. <laughs> Well, There's I'm so no glad that we're lid. doing it. There's oh, no geez. fit. <laughs> what but are you going to put? Okay, there I'm, you go. I'm going to put this towel on it. I've been told that that's okay to do. And mm -hmm. I close hope your this ears. works. Here we go. It's working. I'm just blending everything. Relatively okay. silent. Yeah, that was pretty nice. I thought Christine was going to be like, no, I got to edit all this out. <laughs> it's Looks, good. It good. Okay. So, okay. So it says, give it a good whirl, which I think mm -hmm. I've done. Okay. I think that so was a whirl. I, yeah, that was a nice whirl. And now I have preheated my skillet and I bought this skillet during quarantine and it's amazing. Okay. okay, so I highly recommend, it's a lodge skillet. Cast iron, not messing around. Yeah, it's like 25 bucks. You can make so many things in it. It's so awesome. Any other um, uh, sort of quarantine, got some butter in there? Any quarantine purchases? <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> just like Julia Child, just throw things on the floor and put them right back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other purchases you've made? I mean, you've seen. Yeah, I bought an apron, but then I was like, I hate aprons. I don't mm. want to wear this. I'm not wearing it. Um, I bought some oven mitts, but I really actually like my old ones because they've got a lot of protection, which I need. Um, I oh, what, what is the other one protection list as an oven <laughs> mitt? That's a crap oven mitt you bought. They're, they're too short. And I'm not sure that oh. I trust the material to hold up to my cast iron skillet over here. Gotcha, it's gotcha. It's very hot. Um, I bought a pizza steel, which is like a pizza stone, um, but it's also a giant piece of steel and you put it in your oven and it gets very, very hot and it makes delicious pizza. Um, okay, so let me just pause on that. I um, pause on I, pizza. Pause on the pizza. I melted the butter in my I can hear it and it sounds amazing. I just I didn't mean to interrupt you, but your ASMR. No. Oh, oh that it's sounds just good. beautiful. Yeah. And now <laughs> I'm going to pour in my batter, which is very easy to make. I'm just going to pour it in the skillet and put it in for 20 minutes. Uh, and okay. use my timer, which I just bought too. Oh, um, wow. I feel like you spent a lot of money for this podcast. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, I kind of did. But I really didn't, truthfully, because this skillet was a long time coming, Kelsey, I'll tell you. Yeah, um, well, you've been saving up those $20, you know. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the best thing I've bought in a long time. I'm going to tell you that right now. So oh, the, the Dutch baby pancake is going in the oven as opposed to on top of the oven. Interesting. In the oven and it's going in at 425 degrees for 20 minutes. And I'm starting my timer here. And now we can relax a little bit more. 
now that the good i was pretty tense the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the babies in the oven yeah we're all babies just slumber <laughs> so it's bomb time time like yeah so, so now, as yeah no you go you go well i just wanted to talk to you before we talk about bombing i just i want to hear a little bit about um how you got started in stand-up comedy yeah. Okay. Well, I was one of those folks who came to Chicago and sort of did the thing. Like I came here for school and I thought I wanted to do radio, but um, it's really because I watched Good Morning Vietnam. It turns out I wanted to do improv, but I was from a small town and I didn't know. I didn't realize that that what it was. I thought I just wanted to be a radio host. So I went to Columbia College and I was in the radio department and you were just reading cue cards and it was kind of boring. And everybody was like, yeah, radio, you get fired every day. You have to like get a new job. I'm like, mm, this isn't this doesn't seem like for me. So I found improv, right? So I did the thing that everybody does in Chicago, where you go and you do Second City and you do IO and you do all these things. And it really turned out that the group dynamic wasn't for me. I wasn't finding that I was jumping in and like participating. And although it felt like we we're all about a community, it felt kind of more, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. And so I had this audition where there's a reality TV show that came into town um, and it was called She Larious and all these ladies were going to be in a house together and it was going to be on the O network. Oh my God. And uh, it was just an audition. But one of the things that really took away from this audition was that I didn't have any stand up in my repertoire. So at the same time, I was doing a lot of solo performance stuff. And so I was doing these long, like, uh, 45 minute pieces, um, uh, you know, really storytelling stuff. And I thought, well, I'll just take these and do that as stand up in a bar. Uh, and they're like sad stories about my dad. And uh, they did not go over well. <laughs> Turns out people were like, not interested. So I'm like, okay, I have to actually learn, like, uh, I have to actually learn what stand up is, like, what that format is, what the expectation, the anticipation of a joke and the setup and the punchline, and, and just kind of navigate that world. Uh, and then once I went to stand up, I kind of never uh, lost that edge or not edge. That's not the word I'm looking for. Like, <laughs> I really like liked that world. I yeah. liked the sort of um, the, I want to even say combative, but there was a more like participatory, there's a feeling to stand up that was not necessarily in the storytelling or the improv world. Like the audience felt like a little, a little more laid back, right? Everyone's like, oh, you're doing a great job. We're like, we're just supporting our friends in improv doing garage shows. But with stand-up, it's like, you knew right away if it wasn't going well, because the audience would tell you. <laughs> and I like that. I like that feedback. Yeah. So that's me. Yeah. That's how I got started. Yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. I didn't know that about that show that you, that you were going to be a part of and... Yeah. 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 It was wild. It was um, sort of the intro also into sort of the chaos of like on camera auditioning, just like madness. It was a, uh, it was, it was pretty weird. The project never went through. It got canceled, but um, yeah, it was interesting to see people also outside of Chicago, like come in and say, you know, give you feedback. It was very, I was very insular in like my, my early times, my early comedy times. And this was the first time that somebody came in and said, if you want to succeed here to, to really reach a larger audience and large, larger industry, you need to like, you know, get more skill set in your old tool belt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I actually started 
when the, that class, uh, Feminine Comique was one of the classes where I was going from storytelling to stand up. I just wanted to learn a little more structure. Like I was doing things like open mics, but they were just going so badly that I was like, mm, maybe I should learn some stuff. Um, so I took that class and Cameron Esposito was teaching it at the time. And I met a lot of great people in that class. Like that's where I met like Kristen Clifford, who's out in LA writing and Alexander Serpalis, Tamali Sapp, who like created some old show, her own shows. And she does like a lot of burlesque and Marla DePue who created a show here and then now she moved out to those were all the people in the class so it was a great opportunity to learn and also to meet a bunch of people and then when Cameron left I taught the class because I think you know like rising voices and like pulling women up as well and that's where I met you the class full circle <laughs> and now here we are I'm watching you cook like a like a creep <laughs> Well, no, it's very fitting that you are my first guest on this show, and um, and I couldn't be happier to have you because I never, never would have gotten on stage to do stand-up if it hadn't been for you and the class and the wonderful community. Um, but yeah, truly, it started with you, Kelsey, and now here we are again with a new beginning. No, look at this. Cooking together apart for <laughs> others to watch. What a time we live in. <laughs> what a time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so can I ask yeah. you, like yeah, you yeah. started and I, when you're somebody who, you know, you're, you're someone who started and really you sort of went into the world, right? Like you started doing open mics right away. You're also like producing your own show. You're like, you're, you're sort of going out and, and, and doing it. Is there any element where you were ever like, gosh, I wish I never started? Has <laughs> that ever happened? Were you like, this is a, 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 a rabbit hole I wish I didn't go down? No, no, no. Good. I was always, always so thankful that I started doing stand-up because it, I mean, it truly has changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, you know, meeting so many cool people and you know, being part of the community and having that um, performance, which is like very thrilling and terrifying um, and fun and awful. I mean, it can be any and all of those things. Um, so no, I, I never regretted starting stand-up. The only thing that I regret, which I think every comic does, is, is the number of hours that you spend sitting in a smelly bar at an open mic you know, week after week for three or four minutes for a bunch of like disgruntled comics who are just like staring at their phones or their notes. Um, that, that gets, that, that gets hard. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, it's like, you know. yeah. It's like flexing that muscle. Like one of the things is like, you know, this art form, and this is why I think it's a kind of a, a really, really devastating with COVID is like, you do need uh, an audience. You do need that feedback. You need to see what is working and, and, you know, failing publicly is what I always say, right? You have to fail in front of people to get better. I always think to the open mic system and, you know, we've talked about this before, um, you know, it's not always the, the best place. And I get a lot of like pushback from this, from other comics. Um, it's a classics, classist system. You have to like be there till three in the morning. Sometimes people who have jobs can't do it. Like, I feel like I am pro working it, getting the, the, the reps, getting the hours learning. But that kind of, um, that kind of system is not meant for everybody, especially, especially but people who are 
who are women who have children and jobs. It doesn't work for them. So that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It means you have to find a creative way to work that system. You have to find a way to, uh, to become good. And I think that gets irritating for some people who really rely on this current system. You know, yeah. nobody's relying on it now because of COVID, but I, I'm interested to see what happens as we come out of it, how people are going to, uh, how this is going to change. And I think it was changing before, especially with the, with the, um, you know, with the amount of women, minority, like, I, like people who can't, people who are not a certain age living with their parents to be able to do this want in this world and how is that going to change when we come out i think it's, it's gonna be fascinating because you're yeah. right that's not the 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 only way to do it or an ideal way, way to get better no and after you've done it a number of times it's easier to anticipate what will work and you can probably get away with going to fewer open mics or you become more strategic i'm going to go to this one or i'm going to run my own so i get this stage time every week um, but it takes, you know, it takes a little navigating. It takes a little thought, um, maneuvering those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. How do, how do you feel about like ego? Like I feel because, you know, bringing it back to your pancake, I feel like there's, there's this thing with standup <laughs> that I absolutely love, but I feel like can start negative habits, which I never really noticed until I was forced to stop, to stop because of the yeah. pandemic which is connected to ego, which is connected to like, I need this recognition. I need to be in front of people. I need this. It feels like I need it to create art as part of my identity. And now that that's gone, I don't know if that need is the healthiest part of stand-up. Yeah. And although it hits the ego, I think it's a really great le lesson to learn like, are you doing this for yourself or are you doing it for that need to be approved? Right. Yeah. That's a, it's a scary situation that we're having to deal with, you know, <laughs> deflating so the ego a little. Yeah. yeah. Like how are you dealing with that uh, in your, in your quarantining? Um, I feel, I feel I miss stand up. I miss the interaction. I miss the thrill of it. Um, I, hmm, I miss performing. I, I feel, I don't know about the validation part or like the ego part for me. I've thought about that a lot, actually. Like, um, I think I just really like interacting and performing. And obviously I like to do well on stage. Of course that, I mean, <laughs> that has to be there if you're going to get up on stage and perform. Um, but I don't know, Kelsey. I don't know about the ego part. Um, I think I miss talking. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> that, but is that talking just in general, like there is a power element of it, right? Of like, I am talking to a room full of strangers and they are listening to me because I have this microphone and I have the space is yeah. that what you mean by talking or just like, I've trapped you here. You have to listen to me. <laughs> it's probably a little of both. Um, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I've, I had a meeting at work and it was every week and it was with like 15 people. And so there were times when I would run the meeting 
And, you know, we would talk about like, what was the highlight of your weekend? And then I would just want to keep talking about that. And then, you know, we'd have like 15 minutes left of the meeting. And it's like, well, we better get to the meeting agenda items instead of just talking about this Netflix show for 45 minutes. So, yeah. you know, there's some of that. Um, but no, it's fun to make people laugh and it's fun to laugh together. And it's a, it's a way to bond and to form community. Um, I think, I, I think like, yeah, there are certain things that have been okay to step away from with comedy kind of, you know, some of it's kind of like the rat race and the, um, who's doing what shows, who was asked to do this showcase. Like, I don't really ever look at social media unless it's like pictures of animals on Instagram or like food. So, you know, like that doesn't really get me going. Like, I don't always know what shows people are doing, but you know, it gets in there. It gets in there when you hear stuff or whatever, when you see stuff. So yeah, that part of the ego too, or or whatever that is of like, oh, I wish I got that. Oh, why did I get that? Like, I can see that. Like, it really turns people, um, it's sort of the negative part of the community, especially in Chicago, because it's like, this is like a learning town. Like, nobody's getting paid here. Like, like everybody's like, everybody's fighting over these scraps of nonsense. It's like, what are you all fighting about? This is nothing. <laughs> like, you're fighting about nothing. Like, it's not like everybody's getting like, $2 million contracts for TV shows. It's like, I didn't get into this bar show that only 12 people go to. You're like, who gives a shit? Like, what are you fighting about? Anywho, yeah, I don't miss that at all. Thanks for bringing yeah. that up. It's riling me up, Lauren. See, <laughs> this is good stuff. Well, well, I do want to talk about bombing though, because that yes. is, you know, speaking of ego and performing, um, you know, what, so like, what do you think about when you think about bombing? Like, how do you even describe what it is to bomb? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like for, for me, when I am having a bad show, it's really that I did not do, it's almost like I didn't do my due diligence before I stepped on the stage, where I did, I had an expectation or a misconception about what I was supposed to do, or where I was supposed to be, and it went terribly wrong like that's when that's when things get really stuck in my head like having a bad set at this point is like that's part of the thing like when you first start it feels horrible just like having a bad set feels bad I think I'm a little beyond that where I'm like okay this is all learning this is all information this is all great even when I do bad I'm like oh my god this is really bad <laughs> and I kind of like like it a little you're like this is not working at all and that I'm sort of able to read and feel that room and talk it out. And so I can elevate it a little. doesn't mean it's the best set of my life, but I'm somebody who can kind of, um, I'm somebody who does talk to, to the crowd. I do kind of like feed off that energy. And so if it's going wrong, I can pivot, right? So that doesn't bother me anymore. What bothers me is when I walk into a room and I, for example, I did this show in Indiana and it was specifically like African-American church crowd. And I did not know that when I walked in. And that's on me. That is my fault, right? And so I have this bit about uh, Jesus camp. Um, and I like have this dance that I do because I did this thing as a kid. And it's, and it's um, I, I make a fool out of myself. But there's an, uh, an interaction where I'm like, dancing as a little kid and like whipping Jesus. One, know your history, Kelsey. What are you doing? Like 
performative whipping someone on stage in front of an all African-American crowd. It's church. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, and I'm, while I'm doing it, cause I was also pretty young at the time, I didn't have enough material to not do it. Right. I was like, while I'm doing, it, I'm like, this isn't going, this is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't have enough. I don't have enough material to pivot and to do anything. And that like, that is a thing that sits in my head. Like I was ignorant. I was coming from like a, a point of privilege that I didn't even put it together. You know, I was insulting to the audience. I was like, ah, and they, and, and the audience was just like, well, like one of the ladies came up to me afterwards, like, this is your first time to ever do a comedy? And I'm like, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but, but that's, I think when I want, like, you want to crawl in a hole and die when you yeah. don't, you, you don't have the skill set to pivot and you didn't do the research. And it, I never want to be insulting or bully humor, right? That that's, I want to be inclusive. And that, that was a bad experience for me. Yeah. The other experiences, if you don't, my second one, and this is, these are the ones that like haunt me and that's it. That's great. There's only two, right? Um, uh, I did uh, an outdoor event um, and it was booked by another comic and he's great. And uh, we just didn't have a lot of the information and it was an outside like a, like a fair in like uh, up north. And one outdoor, outdoor shows are the worst, you know, it's like summer in the Midwest. And basically they just wanted to hire comics to babysit their kids. And I, we didn't know that going in. So they would just, they dumped us on a stage and then shoved all their kids on us. So at the end, like, and I'm trying to do my set to these like 10 year olds, like this is nuts. <laughs> so afterwards I just brought them on stage. I'm like, you like pizza? Let's talk about toppings. So for a half an hour, I was just like, I had the kids come up and it just turned into like me teaching them jokes for a half an hour. Um, but that, so that was pretty terrible. The worst part of that there, this is not even the bombing part. A tornado then came and we had to like hide in like a stranger's basement. <laughs> it was just a nuts. Like we should have another thing. It's not bombing. It's like the show's on the road. It was crazy. There was a tornado. We'll get into that in another. That has nothing to do with this pancake, but yeah. <laughs> I had to walk into this. Keep it about the yeah. pancake. <laughs> Speaking of that. Oh my gosh, there's only two minutes, two minutes and a half minutes. And then I check on the, I check on the baby. Okay. <laughs> and then I have to turn the temperature down to okay. 300 for five more minutes. Okay. And then, it, then we can really know how that baby came out. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a delicious Dutch baby after that. It's going to be a yeah. delicious Dutch baby. What about, what about you? Like, what is your like haunting bombing experiences? Um, I agree with you. It's when I'm ill-prepared. Um, and sometimes it's been because of inexperience and sometimes it's been because I haven't prepared ahead of time in like focused. I I'm really, um, it's not that I'm anal about preparing. It's just that I have a process and if I don't go through it, it's not going to be good. Like I have to write out my set and I have to like go through it again and again in my head. And then I write out a different set and different bullet points and like all this weirdness. And, and so if I don't, if I don't go through that, it's not going to be good, but I will tell you my first show <laughs> was my biggest bomb, which, okay, makes sense. But my first 
show was at Zany's in Rosemont. And Kelsey Huff. <laughs> okay, Zany's in Rosemont is gigantic. Okay. And I have a good friend who did me a favor, sort of. I mean, <laughs> thank you, yes. I guess. <laughs> thank you for making me want to die. Um, so there's like, I don't know, 300 people there. And so the, my friend says, okay, to the booker, you know, hey, or the manager, you know, hey, my friend wants to do a really short set, just like a guest spot, you know, five to seven minutes. I can't even remember. And so the person's like, the manager's like, okay, so I get in the green room. I've never performed before other than your two classes, like showcases for Femcom. Uh-huh. I get in the green room and I like want to throw up and I'm looking out at the crowd and I see how many people are there. And so, you know, the host goes up and gets things kind of moving, but not for that long. And then it's me and I'm up. I bombed so miserably. It was like, you could hear like a pin drop. Okay. I do my set. It's, it's awful. I had invited like a bunch of friends. They drove to Rosemont for this. <laughs> You're like okay. anticipation. Wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. Let me check our baby. Oh my God. It's all this, poofed. This baby is poofed. Oh my gosh. I can't believe how large that is. Yeah. But my oven runs hot. So it is getting a little bit burnt. So <laughs> um, let's see. We're going to turn down the temperature here. I do get a little panicked when I cook. Um, I feel like that's kind of your MO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I set aside a whole weekend once to make a lasagna, which was hilarious. And it wasn't even very good, I swear. Um, okay, so let me figure out. I had to Google how to use this timer. Isn't it's it just not... like start and hit the buttons? <laughs> trust me, this is way more complicated than it looks. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's move on. We'll move on. <laughs> YouTube's today about how to use this. Okay. <laughs> this is a miracle that we were able to record this. <laughs> it's a miracle. It is. It's like the baby that's being born in the oven right now. Yeah. But I'm okay. Jane. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I bomb, bomb, bomb bomb okay and the woman who is the manager says to me how many shows have you performed before and i was like oh like you know 10 or 15 and she's not buying it okay so whatever terrible i get off stage and i texted you and i'm like kelsey i can't even believe this i just bombed i want to die i want to throw up i can't even breathe and you your response to me, I'll never forget. You said, well, sometimes people are really enjoying a show, but they're just enjoying it on the inside. <laughs> See? They could really be enjoying themselves. And, and, you know, there could be a little smiling. There could be a little... <laughs> and then the other comics that went up, like the enjoyment of their show was very different. It was like deafening laughter, like 300 people like falling mm-hmm. out of their chairs laughing. And that's sure. when I knew 
that indeed I had had the biggest bomb of anyone's life. <laughs> and yet, you, that was the third time you did comedy. How many times have you done comedy since? Like, it didn't stop you. That's what's amazing about, about it. It didn't stop me. And my next show was at the Laugh Factory with the Kates, with you. And, um, and you were so kind. And you said to the audience, like, oh, you know, give this person so much love. She's new. And so then I, like, I killed because, you know, you were like, if you don't laugh at her, this is going to destroy her. Her last <laughs> show is at Zany's in Rosemont. <laughs> I also think it's like, as the host, it's like setting up those things for people is important, you know, and something like a show like the, the Kate's, even if it's a club versus a, a bookstore, wherever it is, you know, uh, it's, in my opinion, the, the, the rooms I want to cultivate. It's like, we're all in this together. Like comedy or not, like we're alive in time and space right now. Like, she's new why would you not want to support her oh my god this is you're gonna say the jokes for the first time like you have to like ramp them up and yeah. then they want to laugh at you most people want you to succeed most people don't want you to struggle they want you to do well you know that's true but yeah. but people who've also paid money and are coming for a night of entertainment also don't want to see a train wreck <laughs> i don't know i've seen uh major headliners have major train wrecks and walk out being like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> like, oh what, hey, wasn't, wasn't happening. What are you gonna do? <laughs> that's no. ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Like, how do you, how do you regroup? Do you, you know, how do you even leave the stage actually? How do you leave the stage and how do you interact after? Yes, so I think this is again, training from an alcoholic home. I will, I will fake it until I'm private and then I'll reflect, you know? So even if other comedians, I mean, everybody knows if you don't have the set that you want, right? So other comedians will kind of avoid you. They won't look you in the eye, <laughs> you know? There's that, because they don't know how you're gonna react, right? So you go back to the green room and sometimes you're like, ah, oh, what, you know? Like sometimes you're like, ah, I, I force myself now to go out and interact with the audience no matter what. And I did not used to do that because it's the bouncing back that is important for me anyway. So, and usually um, it's hard, it's hard because some people will be honest with you like, oh crap time, you know, like audience will be like, oh, you know, they'll tell you. And that is a part of the environment in my opinion, you know, and you also, sometimes it really helps. And this is actually Drew Fries, who's a comic here in Chicago. When I started doing stuff with him uh, um, and Madison and comedy on state, he did this and I saw it work successfully with him. Most people are just excited to be out. They, they chose comedy over a pizza night. They don't care how well you did. As long as you made them laugh a little, they're excited. So even if he had a bad set, people would go up to him and be like, that was amazing. He's like, oh, thanks. Sometimes it actually helps, you know? And I know that isn't everybody's personality, right? Like people want to retreat. For me, if I retreat too long, it's harder for me to get back up. It's harder for me to get out. So if I have a bad set, I have to face the audience and then I really have to perform hopefully like the next day or the day after, like there's no time. You have yeah. to get back up because, oh, more, more food. Yes. I'm sorry. No, um, no, that's okay. Gotta sorry to say, but the pancake is ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm really oh surprised God. how poofy it got. Uh, you know what? This is... There is some, some pooling of liquid at the top, which I'm hoping is just the butter. Oh, sure. Yum. 
Oh, heck yeah. Wow. Yeah. It almost looks, has a souffle, a sunken souffle feel to it. Kelsey, I didn't know you're so gourmet. There is. <laughs> well, I do watch the Great British Baking Show, so you I kind of know everything. Oh, That's heck yeah. Amazing. It's not good um, for my binge eating, but yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It. Okay, I'm going to let it cool off, and then I'm going to taste it and try to describe it. Okay, I love but, it. Are but you going to want... take a picture? I should, huh? Yeah, you should take a picture for your Instagram fans. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Yes, do it. Do it. Get that angle. Get that lighting. Yeah. And while you're taking the picture, the learning process, you yes, know, since since me. you've since you've done um since you've grown beyond the first difficult uh Rosemont Zaney's uh bombing that you had, let's call it that. Um it, have you gone back since and have you had another experience where you then were you then able to like recover very quickly where it doesn't feel the same you know i haven't been route. back to that stage since no yeah. one's invited me back to oh my god well that's i feel like you got to go back to the trauma you should have a goal you're right and actually that manager is no longer there so maybe i would have a chance yeah. um, <laughs> She mysteriously disappeared after Lauren said. <laughs> Never to be heard from again. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I should get back there. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Zany is an old town. I, I, it, that was a much better experience for me. Um, it's so much smaller. And, and I performed there either with the Kates, no, with the, with the women's comedy nights. And those were wonderful, of course, go figure. Cause women in comedy are great, you know, and supportive. Um, so yeah, but Kelsey, I felt like you were going to say something else before the baby was taken out. You were talking oh, no, about I just feel facing the audience and like getting back out there, getting back up. Yeah, I really think that's it. That's that's the lesson that I really learned is like, and I think you have to know yourself, right? Like, so any any um, artist, but any public art, which I believe stand up is an art and it is very public, you have to find what process works for you. So my process will not work 100%. Some people need to go inward. They need to reflect. They need to have that time, and that actually strengths gives them strength to then move forward. Um, or I kind of, I do, I, I am an extrovert. I know it's not like the coolest thing to be anymore, but like I, I do get energized being around others and that actually can help, can help me get out of that. Um, so you just kind of have to find, that's the other thing that I love about standup. There is no, there is no sort of structure that works for one person. You have to figure out process in the writing in the acting. You have to be your director, your producer. You have to be all the things. And, and I don't know that that's exciting. Like you have the power, like you have the ownership. Um, and that means you're going to make mistakes. And, and I think that's okay. I think the failing and the mistakes and the bombs, I think it's okay. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Especially yeah, do here. You, yeah, no, for sure. Do you think that that's made you a better comic? And um, yeah, go ahead. I do. My neighbor's going to play some music. So if you hear it, that's just uh, him serenading us, <laughs> just so you know. Um, 
I do. I don't think it's only made me a better comic. I think it's made me a better human being. Like I am, you know, because of, let's talk about COVID, right? Because of COVID, I had to go back into, um, you know, an office, a corporate world a little bit, working remotely as comedy has sort of fallen to, to bits. It has helped me realize that this doesn't have to be perfect. This has to be done. This has to be done today. Like I have to do a presentation today. I have to do a show because it's Saturday. That perfection stuff is will kill you. It kills your creativity. It kills your communication. It kills you in any sort of setting. It's never going to be done. It just has to be. And being comfortable with saying you don't know something or that this isn't perfect and moving forward anyway, that is a giant lesson that stand-up, specifically stand-up, not just any comedy, but specifically stand-up has taught me. It also taught me to, it, I'm not doing a great job now of editing, like, of like, okay, I need to get, I need to go to a pitch to a meeting. I need to do this in 10 seconds. I need to get everybody's attention within 10 seconds. Stand-up has taught me that tremendously. So it's, it's huge. And the failures are the things that you learn from. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's how you learn. How about you? I mean, you're in, you have like a proper job. Has it translated at all into that for you? Yeah. And in a lot of the same ways that you just said, but all, and also having more confidence, um, presenting more. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how much I really, str I struggled with that a little bit, but I'm, I'm more extroverted than introverted as well. Um, so it wasn't like a terrifying experience for me to do a presentation, but certainly now after having done so many stand-up shows, yeah, it's just, it becomes more natural. You kind of can in, anticipate the flow of things more. Um, and exactly like what you said, keeping things like concise, condensed, keeping things moving. Um, yeah, those things as well. And sometimes it's good just to have some comic relief when you're, when you're presenting or working with groups of people. I mean, it, it's, it's a helpful thing to be able to have. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And also like keeping your audience in mind and also being a little vulnerable. I think those two are the great things as well. Uh, I know that, you know, I work in, in marketing and it's just amazing to me. Some people who have been in the industry, marketing industry for so long, they're not necessarily always thinking of their audience. Yeah. And you're like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and some, some, some comedians don't think of their audience either, but I'm not one of those comedians. Like I'm very much aware of of my point of view and how it's being perceived. So yeah, lots of lessons. Yeah. This yeah. is so fun. I wish we could actually be eating this whole time. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to take a bite of the, of the pancake and then, um, yes. And then I'm going to tell you how it tastes. Okay. And then I'm going to be, and then I'm going to be at your house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sorry, but I have a pizza roller. I mean, cutter. Yeah, okay. Um, I just thought it would be handy to use with the baby. Mm -hmm. So, so this did puff up. It did? So, and yeah, I mean, we saw it. It was puffy. Yeah, it was nice and egocentric, and now you've cut into it. Has it bombed? <laughs> yeah, and now it's flattening out. Just, but, you know, there's, there's still a bubble right there. So, yeah. um... I prefer, I always prefer more sugar on things. Oh, I hear what you're saying, 100%. I mean, come on. So I'm going to put a little bit of, oops, or a lot. I'm going to put a lot of powdered sugar on that. And I'm going to taste it. And then, yeah. 
I feel like um, a pancake that I, I think I like to do is roll it up and eat it. But you're doing a proper fork and knife. Nice job. Well, I'm on camera, so <laughs> <laughs> once I turn it off, I'm gonna just shove it all in there. Gotcha. All right, so it deflated. So we, we've got the the Dutch baby pancake has bombed. Uh huh. But but in the taste, the sweetness. Tell us about it. It's delicious. It's a perfect amount of sweet. And um, it's very doughy and light and delicious and hot. It's still hot. <laughs> it's hot, but you're still shoving it right in that mouth, even though it's burning your face. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's not that hot. Okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got to think of some more descriptive words, but it's delicious. Um, I saw Chesley's the other night, and this guy kept saying, like, it was just superb, superb. So <laughs> this is superb. It's <laughs> nice. excellent. And you find that it, it does connect with bombing. So nice job. Oh my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've lost I'm, Lauren to the pancake. She's gone. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to bring you some. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Well, you can also just send me a picture. <laughs> well, that too, but that's not as good. Um, that is good. Okay, so I want to thank you so much for being a guest here on Hot Dish on the first ever episode of stand-up comedy. Kelsey Huff, I love you. And I want to say thank you to Lincoln Lodge and a special, special thank you to Christine Ferreira, who has been amazing, wonderful. All the high five. I'm trying to clap quietly so she doesn't have to edit them out. <laughs> She's like, don't give me more work jerks. <laughs> but I have so, so appreciated it. And that's a wrap. So we'll see you next time on Hot Dish. <laughs>